And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. You're listening to the Leaf Report Podcast with Jonas Siegel and James Myrtle. Okay, James, we are almost at the start of the regular season. Actually, let's just say we are at the start of the regular season. Training camp is in the books. I think this season is going to be defined in Toronto by Mike Babcock. I don't think I'm going out on a limb to say that. Has anything surprised you about Babcock and maybe the way he's run his operation so far? I think he's done a very good job of getting the players to forget about last year and kind of buy in that this season has nothing to do with last year. And he's he, he's impressed the players in a way that's not just reputation-based. I think he's found a way to reach them in a way that has impressed me. Um, I don't know if that if that that that's what you see, but it just it seems like he's 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 got a little bit of belief in these players. When basically, I don't think anybody in Toronto or around the league believes in this team, and they they have a little bit. So it's going to yeah. be important for them. I mean, I know I know fans are down on them and don't want them to win, but you know, from a, a standpoint of not having an embarrassing season, it's probably going to be important for them to to, to win a few games early on, and then uh, maybe they they can build on that. But you know, when Babcock talks about he's not here to rebuild and he's not here for, for to, to try and lose or whatever, he he means that, and he's going to try and get the most he can out of these guys, and that's been very very evident in training camp. Well, and it seems like. To your point, he's gone out of his way to try to talk positively about specific players. Like, I've noticed uh, he's talked a lot about Jake Gardner. He's gone out of his way to say how good, you know, Gardner's looked, how much he's liked, you know, a lot of what Gardner can bring. Same thing with Nazem Kadri. He's talked a lot about Kadri. I really think, you know, when we're looking at the season and you're trying to you pick it apart and you're trying to take some meaning for it, meaning from it, uh, if I'm Leafs management, I'm judging it based on what he can get out of those guys. Like, that's an important factor for them. You know, for what Mike Babcock can do for Jake Gardner, what he can do for Kadri, what he can do for Riley, 
you know, they really felt like, you know, and, and you've talked about this and written about this a lot, you know, that things stalled under Randy Carlisle. Like, their young players weren't getting better. Uh, I think one of the things that we can watch for this year is the impact that he can make on some of those guys, and I think he's gone about trying to start that process already. If you think about it, you know, it never made sense to me. I've covered the Leafs under under only two other coaches. Well, I mean, three if you include Horacek, but essentially Ron Wilson and Randy Carlisle. And to me, it never made sense at how negative they were on some of the young players. You know, that's that's an old-school mentality. I don't know necessarily that it works with this generation of players very well. Uh, I think you can lose some of them. I think Randy Carlisle certainly lost some of the team. Ron Wilson definitely lost some of the team. There were players saying, you know, openly that, that he had lost the team, I remember, back then. Um, so, I mean, why, especially when you first come in and you're trying to sell a message and you're trying to change things, he should be talking up these guys. He should be trying to win them over. And, you know, one of the things that you hear coaches talk about in the NHL now, uh, I, m- I remember hearing, I think Ken Hitchcock has talked about this, is that you've got to be, you've got to be, when they talk about a player's coach, I mean, most of them have to be kind of player's coaches. Most of them have to find a way, and you reach different people differently. So, that's one of the things that I think Babcock is is trying to do, and uh, so far it seems to be working. I mean, so far I think he has given a little bit of com- more confidence to to Jake Gardner and and Nazem Kadri than uh, than they had under the last coach, and it'll be interesting to see if that pays off on the ice. Well, and one of the things, like you know, you heard from players in Detroit, you know, before training camp, through training camp, is that it was probably a good time for a split, and and that makes sense. You know, a coach is in one place for you know a decade. Uh, things will probably get old, but it, like his teams were still really successful uh, right up until the end. Obviously, they didn't have playoff success, but you know, in terms of system and strategy, how much do you think can change given the talent level around this team uh, with Babcock on board? Like, I, I'm looking at puck possession. I'm looking at you know how much less they're going to be defending. What are you looking at in terms of you know the changes that he can make? You know, in terms of schemes and strategy well in preseason the numbers on that side of things were really good you know if you look at i was looking at it the other day their possession in preseason was something like 57 percent. i mean it was it was excellent and i know people are down on them because number one they couldn't score hardly at all in the preseason and number two they lost the last five games in a row but defensively, I think they did pretty well in those games. You know, if they get goaltending, if they play like that defensively, they're certainly going to make strides in terms of possession. But, you know, if you're a, a 49% possession team and you can't score, you're not going to have a great record at the end of the year. But it's, it's kind of like baby steps, right? Like they're trying to put together a foundation and the structure and kind of things. And I think we will see the evidence of that. But what you're talking about is how much of a difference that can make. I think to me that's the story of this whole season. How what can what can an amazing coach get out of what is a pretty mediocre roster? You know, a lot of guys like you got a lot of uh, Spalling and Winnick and Parento and, and and not a lot of guys. I mean, they were debating on I think it was on Leafs lunch the other day whether or not anyone on the Leafs will even get sixty points this year. And I think that you know that's that's probably a reasonable debate to have because they don't have those guys that stand out, but. So, so the question is, I mean, are the Leafs going to be god-awful like they were last year, or is Babcock going to be able to elevate them? And I think he's going to be able to ele- elevate them to a certain point. I just don't know how high that is. Yeah, because, like, let's face it, like, a lot of the players that you mentioned, you know, are, are 
veterans who, you know, are kind of looking for a spot. They're not really like long-term pieces. You know, P.A. Parento, you know, was bought out in the summer by Montreal. Like these guys are, are just kind of in-between type of players, but that's what a good coach is supposed to do. Like I always, I don't know why he's always the guy I think of. I don't know who you think of in this situation. I always think of Dave Tippett's teams, you know, back in the day in, in Phoenix. You'd look at the roster and then you'd look at the record and you'd be like, like how yeah. is this happening? And, and obviously they were good defensive teams. They didn't give up much. They had good goaltending. But, you know, that's, isn't that what a good coach is supposed to do? That's why you, if you believe, you go out and pay what you have to. Like, you don't care because a good coach can make a difference with a roster that's not as good. And obviously for the long term, when they hope to have better players, uh, they hope that actually leads to a team that's actually pretty good. Yeah, I can certainly see a scenario. They need they need some of those guys like like Parento or Grabner, who you and I were talking about today, hasn't looked very good. You know, they need some of those guys to surprise and have a twenty goal season. Or yeah. or Brad Boys. I mean, Brad Boys has looked good. They're they're looking at him on the first line. I can see a first line working of of Kadri, Boys, JVR, and and they all have pretty big seasons. And the power the first power play unit really gets going and. You know, those are those, that's what they're going to need if they're going to be more than what people expect. And I think there's certainly the potential for this team to surprise a little bit. There's no way in hell I would predict that they're going to be a playoff team. But I could see them instead of – I think everyone, a lot of people are saying uh, they're a bottom three team or whatever. I mean, I could see them being better than that for sure. And they're going to need uh, – some of those guys to stand out. They're going to need Babcock's structure to work. And it's a, it's a good question. Like, can a guy like Dion Phaneuf, who's not the greatest defensive player in the world, if you put him in a really good structure on a team that doesn't have a lot of great players, does that make Phaneuf look better? Does that make his numbers look better? Does that make the results when he's on the ice better? I mean, that's, those are going to be the kind of things that I think we're going to be watching here, especially early in the year. Yeah, putting players in a better position to actually have success, right? Like, that's what it's about. And I think that getting this Frank Corrado guy in there is, right. I mean, now they've got a lot of different options on defense where if someone's not playing well, like if a Roman Polak's not playing well, just sit him in the press box and, and you can work in these young guys that are looking to prove themselves. I mean, people like Scott Harrington and Corrado and uh, Marinchin and there's another one, Hunwick. I mean, a lot of these guys have, have spent quite a bit of time in, in the AHL. In Hunwick's case, he's been with a bunch of different NHL teams as kind of like a, a, bo- a bottom pairing guy. But, I mean, we'll see. We'll see what they can do. I mean, if they can catch a Marinchin, who I think has looked pretty good in, in, it looked pretty good in preseason, or a Corrado on the upswing, maybe they're on their, on their way to becoming an NHL player. Maybe they go from being a five or a six to a, to, a, to a four or something, and you can play them more. I mean, that's what they need. They need some of these guys to, to progress and become something more, more than what they were. And maybe, maybe the structure can, can allow that for them to do that. Yeah, and that's going to be interesting to, to watch to see what effect it has on some of these players, you know, putting them in different positions. You know, you wonder if they can, you know, rehabilitate Dionfanov. You know, we heard from Mike Babcock, and, and he said that he thinks that, you know, Fulnoff's going to have the best season he's had in some time, and obviously that's something he's hoping. But, you know, that's part of this year is kind of rehabilitating some of those guys from the past and trying to take them forward. And then it's like so many of those veterans that you hope, if you're the Leafs, that they have good years and then you can move them. Outside of Babcock, you know, we just finished training camp. Um, cuts were made. I think they kind of stuck to the script 
uh, as far as, you know, sending William Nealander down, sending Connor Brown down, Kasperi Kappen, and Zach Hyman. Do you believe, though, that they're going to stick with this, this model of patience? Because, you know, Babcock is obviously someone who is driven to win. Uh, you wonder how long, you know, he'll be okay with teams that aren't competitive. Lou Amarello is notoriously impatient. His teams in, in New Jersey never really rebuilt. Do you buy into this last thing, or do you see at some point it's starting to crack and then changing course? I buy it for this year. I'd be very surprised if they abandon the plan this year. I mean, maybe you'll see Connor Brown uh, towards the end of the season if if he's dominating. Maybe he'll, or maybe William Nylander will come up towards the end of the season. But they've got people in the front office that, that really understand that you don't want to burn years on entry-level deals just to have a guy play 25 games at the end of the year or whatever. I mean, they, I think that they've got smart enough people in the front office that, that they're, they're going to avoid doing that. And I think they realize that the expectations for this year are so low that it's kind of like a, it's like a freebie season for them to do what they need to do to put it in the right direction. But, I mean, if we're talking a year and a half from now, uh, two, two and a half years from now, you know, maybe it's a different story. Maybe they do start to rush people. And the question is going to be, and I've already seen fans start to debate it on Twitter, is where is the best place for these guys to develop? Does Nylander develop better in the AHL playing 20 minutes a game than he does playing 13 or 14 in the NHL? And I don't think that... I don't think that there's an answer, a definitive answer out there. I mean, you look at Tampa or Detroit, they play guys in the HL quite a bit and they and they progressed upwards, but there have been stories of other guys that have been in the NHL as young players and and turned into very very good good players quite quickly. So, I think there has to be a balance there. You, they need to make sure they take a really close look at who's ready and they don't fall into the Edmonton trap of having too many young guys too soon. So, I would think that in like like this year you stick with this this kind of old guy roster. I mean they they have 10 11 guys that are 28 or older on the team right now. Yeah. Stick with this kind of old guy roster and then next year you maybe you're into more of a hybrid and then the year after then that's when the young guys really start coming through. Yeah, that's exactly what I think as well. Like I think next year I don't think there's any question William Neander will be on the team. I wouldn't be surprised, you know, if Mitch Marner's in that mix too, you know, Connor Brown I would expect to be on the team. You wonder you know, about some of those other young guys, Zach Hyman, you know, Andreas Johnson, when he eventually comes over. Like, this is kind of, it's, it's such a weird year for them in that they're, they're building something different, but they haven't really torn down the, the, the complete foundation of the house that was there before. Do you know what I mean? Like, there's still so many remnants of the past as they try to move forward. They're kind of right in between uh, at this point, and that's why this is such a weird year for them because they're not real—they haven't really moved forward yet, but they also haven't really taken any steps backwards. You get what I'm trying to say? Like, it's, yeah, it's like a transitionary kind of year. We'll see if what they did was was the right move because I think they could have traded Phaneuf or they could have traded Bozak, yeah. but maybe it's like you said, maybe. Maybe they feel like they can rehabilitate these guys. Their value was never going to get lower than it was at the end of last season. Maybe this team can be better than people think. Maybe those guys can have better seasons than people think they're capable of, and then they're easy to move, easier to move. Well, expectations, and, James, are so low. Like yeah. anything they do, yeah, that's positive. People are going to be surprised and. That's actually that's that's what I'm writing about today. Is like you know I talked to some other executives of other teams, and you know they said like 
they're going to be awful. Like they're just, the, the expectation around the league and the media and the fan base. I mean, with what's happening with the Jays, too, I mean, I know this is obviously a Leafs podcast, but the Blue Jays have completely overshadowed everything to do with the Leafs. You know, yeah. hardly anyone's paying attention to what the Leafs are doing. They're probably not going to start paying attention. Uh, you know, so they've got, they've got this little window here where people aren't going to be watching them or paying attention. And the expectations are so low that I think even if the Leafs are in, like, 10th or 11th in the East in November, people are going to be like, oh, well, that's, that's not what I expected. Okay, changing course a little bit. You and I talked a lot when it happened in the summer because I, I know we've talked about it on the podcast before that it was surprising in some ways and maybe it shouldn't have been surprising in some ways. But I was really surprised that they would go in the direction of Lou Lamorello for their general manager position for a lot of reasons, you know, for the fact that, you know, it sounded like they were going for someone who was going to be young, who could, you know, adapt and, and kind of grow with their young team uh, of executives. And, and to me, it was like a backward kind of step. And, and you looked at Lamorello's record recently in New Jersey, it wasn't good at all. You know, they hadn't developed players. They were a bad team in the standings aside from that one run to the cup final. We've seen some changes so far in terms of the way the operation runs. A lot of changes, actually. Uh, what do you make so far about the Lou Lamorello impact? And, and has anything taken you aback or caught you off guard? I don't think we've seen it yet. You know, I, I'm waiting to really see it. You know, I what they've done with the roster and 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 sending the young players down and. You know all that kind of stuff. It's it's about what I would have expected. I maybe you can you can speak well, I differently. Can, I can fill you in. Like there are a lot of changes in the way the operation runs. Like I'll give you a, a couple examples. Uh, you basically, you know, there's only three people now who speak for the team as far as you know management or coaches go. That's Mike Babcock, that's Brendan Shanahan, that's Lou Lamorello. Like you're not going to hear public comments from Kyle Dubas. You're not going to hear many public comments from Mark Hunter. So that's like a little change. Little changes. Even Shanahan, I don't think we're going to hear really right. from. Yeah. But, but like now it is like a strict rule that those guys, like you're not hearing from assistant coaches. Those guys are not talking anymore. You're not hearing from assistant GMs. That's Lou. Like that is a Lamorello thing. I'll give you another example. Like during games now, uh, like when I go down and do an intermission interview during training camp, you're not allowed to talk to you know, a rookie or a guy who hasn't played in the league. That's Lou Lamorello trying to protect young players. Like, there are a lot of little things that are starting to change about this operation. Uh, like, we know Lamorello likes to have control over everything. I think what's going to be fascinating is, is to see the stuff that we don't actually get to see. You know, there's the behind-the-scenes dynamic that I was so curious about when they hired Lou Lamorello, a guy who had, you know, his own little staff in Jersey that he had complete control over, how it's going to work, you know, with Kyle Dubas and Mark Hunter and Brendan Shanahan. I guess we don't know the answer yet, uh, but I think that's a dynamic that we have to keep our eye on, even though we can't actually see it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when the hire was made, I said that the danger with bringing Lamarillo in is that he he could potentially alienate people because you've got a staff there already of qualified people that uh, will probably have options with other front offices and. British Shanahan needs to manage it and make sure everyone feels like their voice is being heard. And it's one of the interesting things I talk to a lot of guys that are being hired as analytics people, 
they're starting to move higher up in front offices. And they say the most important thing to them is is that the team listens to them and that they have input into what's right. happening with the team, which makes sense. I mean, if, with any of us with our job, we want to feel like we're doing something that is having an impact with the company we're with or, or whatever. I mean, you can't just have... Uh, you know, a dictatorship. It can't just be the Lula Lamorello show. So we haven't really seen any overt evidence of Lamorello making the decision and overruling everybody else, but I'm, I'm looking for it. I'm waiting for it. It hasn't happened yet. Uh, so far, the decisions they've made have been ones that I agree with and ones that I think that are smart, but it's going to be another thing to watch all year. Yeah, like it would have been a flashpoint had that Travis Ajax talk actually been real. Uh, like I, it didn't make any sense from the outside, but like if they had gone out, for example, and traded for Travis Ajax, that would be like a bingo flashing moment where you're just like, okay, like this is Lou Lamarillo's show. And I think that's going to be part of not like, who knows what interest they would have had. It didn't make any sense, but that's going to be interesting to see, you know, how Brendan Shanahan kind of works with Lou Lamarillo and, and maybe, you know, how do you keep someone in place and kind of keep them aligned with your plan uh, when they've, you know, in their career, three decades of NHL experience, they've done things their own way. So anyway, like, I, I think that dynamic, we won't get to see as much in the public view, uh, but behind the scenes, I think it's one of the fascinating things about this year and about the coming years for this team. Yeah, it's like one of those things that if it if it all goes to hell, we'll hear about it after the fact kind of thing. Like three, it's like say I I'm, I don't know for sure that it is, but if it, if there are problems there, if there's a problem with the dynamic, we probably won't know till after the fact. I mean, obviously, guys like you and I are going to try and find out, but yeah, I mean, it's like I said, it's what the impact Babcock has and what's happening with this front office, obviously two of the biggest things to watch because a lot of guys on the roster, I mean, they're kind of irrelevant. They're not even going to be here very long. Yeah. Well, to me, I, I, to, I call it a temporary roster because like aside from a few players, I don't expect a lot of these guys to be here long term. like uh, outside of Riley Gardner, Kadri, maybe Van Riemsdyk, maybe Bernier. Now they bring in some of these young guys, Corrado, Harrington, Marinson, maybe those guys are around a bit longer, but it's like a temporary stage for this team. Uh, anything else you want to get to? We, you know, we've been banning about between uh, like texts and emails and, and just chats about this team in terms of, you know, like who's going to lead the team in scoring. Do you expect anyone to score 25 goals? Do you expect anyone to hit 60 points? Like do you have any semblance about any of that stuff? I had my hockey draft last night, and I took James Van Riemsdyk. I let him slide a little bit, and then I eventually <laughs> went for it. And it, it, he's one of those guys that I think could go either way. I mean, on one hand, they they, they desperately need him. They're going to play him a lot. He's going to get first power play unit. On the other hand, no Phil Castle. So can James Van Riemsdyk be the guy that generates offense on his own, or does he need that guy like Phil Kessel to carry the puck up the ice, to create the chances, to have those great passes, uh, to get him the rebounds when he's in front of the net on the power play? I mean, I thought he looked pretty good in preseason. I thought that he he still had those great hands around the net. It's going to be a different style. They're going to try and have more zone time. Maybe he'll get more rebounds. Maybe he'll get more looks. You know, and for Van Riemsdyk, one of the things you look for in a lot of the pools that I'm in, uh, shots on goal is a category. He's a guy that generates a lot of shots on goal. Now they don't have Phil Kessel. That's going to be a priority for this team, and Van Riemsdyk is going to have to be more of a, a leader. And I think that if he 
plays with Kadri the whole year. Kadri smartens up a little bit and 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 grows into that role. Brad Boyce is a guy that I think can. I mean, I think that 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 first line, the way that it's set up right now, makes a lot of sense to me. I think that we could see Van Riemsdyk as a sixty-point guy, Kadri as a fifty-five-ish point guy, and and Boyce with a surprisingly good year and potentially traded near the trade deadline. That's that's kind of how I see that. I think that it's a really interesting point on on Van Riemsdyk. And at the start of camp, I wrote a little thing on you know Van Riemsdyk starting his you know, hockey life in Toronto without Kessel. And one of the things that he told me is, you know, Kessel would draw so much attention, you know, mm-hmm. from the opposition. And now that attention seemingly is going to be on him. And obviously if he plays with someone like Kadri, he's going to draw attention himself. But like I went through and looked at every one of the goals that he scored last year. A lot of them like were breakaways. A lot of them were tips around the net. Like it, it's not like everything he did offensively, came from Kessel, but obviously when you have that player on the ice who's sucking so much of the attention away from the opposition, that's going to make a big difference in terms of the types of looks that you get. Uh, I, like As far as the other guys in the roster, like Kadri and, and Van Riemsdyk, I think are the two that you would circle and say these are the guys that they can probably count on for offense. And then it's just a bunch of question marks. Like Joffrey Lupul, you know, there was always trade speculation about him. I'm not sure how that, that contract gets traded and, and I'm really curious to see what kind of season they get out of Joffrey Lupo. He's got, you know, I think this year and two more uh, at 5-2-5. That's a really tough one for them, but if they can somehow get him feeling good again, productive again, maybe that's someone they can move, but outside of that, like, there are not a lot of guys you can pencil in for offense on this team. Yeah, Matthias, I think, had 18 goals last year. They're hoping that maybe he can be a 20-goal guy it might be a kind of an offense by committee thing. I think with what they're going to do based on watching preseason, they're going to have one line probably with Spalling as 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 the center that they just bury that they they put. I mean that's that's what well, Babcock. That's be, they already have it. You know, it, it right. looks uh, Winnick Spalling Parento. Parento, yeah, yeah. That's that's what I can see. You could tell from the zone starts in preseason that they were down around the twenty five thirty percent mark. You know, that's what the good teams like Chicago has done with Kruger as the center of that line. You can call it the fourth line if you want or the third line, but it's basically a line that you bury. And it's interesting that Parento's on that line, but, I mean, he's he's a veteran guy that pushes the puck in the right direction, and so is, is Winnick. So their job is going to be go out for those D-zone face-offs, find a way to get it down to the O-zone, then we're rolling out Kadri and JVR and these other guys, and they're going to hopefully produce offense because they've got that offensive zone face-off to do that. So right. it makes a lot of sense. If you look at Babcock, it's what he did in Detroit, especially towards uh, the, the later years that he was there. He had that one line that he buried. Uh, that's something that I've been arguing the Leafs should do for for years and years. So finally, they're going to have it. And the guys that aren't in that role, that aren't on that line, on that Spalling Winnick Parento line, they're going to have to be the ones that that surprise us and and produce some offense. So it's not a case anymore where you only have uh, you know your top three guys or a top six that skill guys. Most teams in the league are trying to get offense out of three lines, and then they use that fourth line as 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 a carry the load line. And that's what they're going to have to get. They're going to have to get guys like like Matthias and and potentially you know Grabner. I mean, we can. We Arcabello can... is another guy. Like, right, Arcabello looks. Yeah, he he's pretty shifty, and you know he had some good plays on the power play. I thought in preseason, you know, he could be a guy that surprises, and I think that's that's why they brought him in. Yeah. All right. Is there anything else you want to get to? I know we're short on time. No, that's great, and we'll just have to. Uh... I'm looking forward to seeing a few games, and then we'll reconnect next week and talk about what we saw. Yeah, 
It should be interesting. It's a it's an interesting start to the year because no one it doesn't feel like there's a lot of attention at all on this team. Yeah. And that's not surprising when a team, you know, makes the playoffs for the first time in more than twenty years. So that's yeah. the way it should be, let's be honest. Yeah, it is the way it should be, but it's unusual for the Leafs and for us covering the Leafs to, to have them be so far in the background. It's almost like people are like, Yeah, yeah, I want them to lose every game. I'm not gonna watch that often but I, I don't know. I, we'll see. We'll see. I think there's there's some potential here for this team to, to surprise people, at least early on. Okay. Let's try it again next week. Thanks, Jake.